<laughs> the Carolina Hurricanes defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-1. to one. You heard me, 5-1. to one. They put on a clinic. They outclassed the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is it. This is everything. We're going to go 98-0, win the Stanley Cup, the best team to ever exist in the history of the National Hockey League. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage, with historical perspectives, modern-day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you, and I'm looking forward to this challenge. It's an honor, and I think we're going to do great things. Clearly, I was joking, okay? Yes, we outclassed the Tampa Bay Lightning. But that's because the team we put on the ice was mostly NHLers. I don't know, like 65-70% of our players are going to be on our team in the regular season. And Tampa Bay squad was not that. But we're not going to focus on that. We're going to stay high and be excited because the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-1 to run in Raleigh. Uh, a lot of players had a good night tonight, whether it was Kakanyemi, who showed people that he might just be worth that second-line center, or, or Dylan Coughlin showing people that, hey, Max Pacioretty wasn't the only person involved in the trade. And even Martin Natchez did some work tonight. Perhaps the only person who didn't have to work super hard was Frederick Anderson, but that's because the puck was never, and I mean almost never, in the Carolina Hurricane zone. We've got a lot to go over today. We'll have quotes from the locker room, well, audio from the locker room. We'll have some breakdowns and general thoughts from the game. Let's get into it. Before anything, tonight's game that was originally scheduled, I'm sure you've heard by now, but just in case that was originally scheduled tonight to be played in Tampa has been postponed. From the looks of it, it's just been canceled. It's been indefinitely postponed. Hurricane Ian is either hitting Tampa Bay as I'm recording this, or it's doing it as you're listening to this. I'm afraid I haven't really super paid attention to it. Um, I don't know. I'm really used to hurricanes. I don't know what you want from me. But that is the first news of this podcast episode. And then the other thing I want to get into is, you know, the game. So the first period was embarrassing um, in a very nice way if you were a Tampa Bay Lightnings fan. And you can go ahead and point to that preseason. You can go ahead and point to that it was most of your prospects. I don't care. That's not the point. The point is that it was embarrassing. So after 20 minutes of hockey, the game did remain scoreless. I'll give them that. But shots on goal was 15-3. to It was like uh, 13 minutes into the game before Tampa Bay had two shots on goal. That's real. That happened. As expected, the Hurricanes dominated. And I don't want to keep saying it because it, like, it's ruining my vibe, man. But... Yes, it was a practical AHL team that they were playing, but the Hurricanes absolutely dominated that first period and got nothing for it. And I mean absolutely nothing. It got to the point where we were, uh, I don't know, five, six minutes into the second period, and no one had scored still. Like, I was at least thinking that by that point, Tampa Bay might get a, you know, 
hits a defender skate goes in type goal, some greasy bullshit goal. But no, we still had nothing. And then moments, it was literally, I, I tweeted, I'm honestly surprised that no one has scored in this game. Two minutes later, Andrei Svechnikov does this. An opportunity now is 10 seconds left on the power play. Sent back for Svechnikov. He scores on the power play. Oh, that thing was an absolute rocket. As you heard, the power play was winding down. This was the second power play of the game for the Hurricanes. The first one didn't get any results. They literally dominated possession time and didn't get anything for it. This time, time was running out again. It looks like, you know, the Canes aren't going to be able to convert on the power play. Shocker, right? Except, no. Dylan Coughlin holds in the puck just at the blue line. Like, his skates are over, but the puck is in the zone. Everything is fine. He passes it down right next to the goal to Jesper Kakanyemi, who is literally in between the space-off circle and the goal. Kakanyemi then sends it up quickly to Andrei Svechnikov, who is across from Coglin at the blue line, who then buries it on goal. Less than four minutes later, they would do it again. Literally, Kakanyemi and Coglin would do it again on the power play because Tampa didn't learn their lesson the first time. Coglin shoots from the point and it gets tapped in by Stastny, literally right in front of the net. Hurricanes lead 2-0 with 5 minutes remaining in the second period. Gotta be honest with you, at this point, I'm just here to have fun. I'm not tweeting about the game anymore. Nothing so special is happening. I'm just happy to be watching hockey again. It's a great time. I don't know if you can tell by the sound of my voice, but I am so excited to be able to talk about an actual hockey game again, whether or not it matters towards the standings. Whether or not, you know, every time I tweet about it, I get shit because it's just a preseason game. I don't care. I'm excited to watch hockey. Listen, I'm an overinvested sports fan. Why why is everyone surprised that I act irrational about sporting events? Like come on. But I'm I'm not here to get on a soapbox about that. So we'll get back to the game. Uh the second period ends and honestly, I'm just proud of my boy Kakanyemi. If you've listened to the show, I have confidence in him. And tonight again against an AHL squad. But still, tonight he showed that that confidence should be there. But going into the third period, Kane's lead 2-0. Less than five minutes in, Aho scores. And Aho, this Aho goal, he... Every once in a while, you'll be watching a play develop. And he's like, oh, shoot, they're about to score. Or, if it's your team, oh, shit, they're about to score. You're different. Inflections in your voice will let you know how you feel there. But in this case with Sebastian Aho, he carries it over the blue line. And I'm like, look at Aho go. He's embarrassing these kids. And then, I don't know when it was, it was, he beat two Tampa Bay defenders and took a shot glove high that he should not have made. A hundred percent. If that's on Vazzy, he doesn't score. But because it's an AHL goaltender, Sebastian Aho quite literally said, and excuse my language here, but hold my jock, and scored. And she's like, yeah, I'm Sebastian Aho. I don't know if you, uh, You've seen me before, you know, I was, I was at the All-Star game last year. I, I'm pretty good. And it's whatever. Kane's up 3 nothing. And hey, worst lead in hockey is 3 nothing. If you've ever played an NHL game, you'll hear Doc Emmert say that every single time. But it, it also is true. So, you know, less than a minute later, disaster strikes. 
when Seth Jarvis scores the exact same goal that Sebastian Ajo just did. In his case, he didn't have to beat two defenders. There was only one defender. I can't tell his name from the replay. But he just gave Jarvis the space to come in and take the exact same shot that Ajo literally did like maybe two minutes earlier. And Jarvis scores because Jarvis, you know, hey, listen, Sebastian's my friend and all, but it's not like he's better than me. And he just scores the same exact goal. Canes are up for nothing. It's at this point that, sadly, the Tampa Bay Lightning do score and it becomes 4-1. But we're not going to pay attention to that because, you know, it's preseason. That goal doesn't count. And then with just, and I mean just a tiny bit under two minutes left, Malit Stromwell decides that, you know what? I'm going to score the same goal, but from the other side. Stromwell spent the entirety of last season in the KHL. And so both Ajo and Jarvis come over the blue line. They are on the left side of the ice, shoot glove high, and score. Strombell just decides, I'm just going to reverse it. So he comes in on the right-hand side and then takes a shot, block or high, scores. uh, It's just stupid, but in a good way, and I very much enjoyed it. Your three stars of the game inside the arena was number three, Kakanyemi, with two assists, four shots, and a total of 17 minutes and 17 seconds of ice time. Number two, Dylan Coughlin, three assists, with six shots on net, and five blocked shots, with a total of 22 minutes and 18 seconds of ice time. And then your four star of the game, with one goal, one assist, and an incredible seven shots on net, with a total of 17 minutes and 41 seconds of ice time. Andrei Svechnikov. This was clearly the first game of preseason, and I know that we should not take almost anything out of this game. We should take a couple things, like, I didn't think I would like Natchez, Kakanyemi, and Svech together. I really didn't. And then I saw them play, and I was like, you know what? I'm an idiot. No, yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I, I like that, I like that, I like that. And then I really, really thought that you would put Stastny on the line with Kakanyemi and Svechnikov. But actually... Putting him with Jordan and uh, Jesper Faust, 100% works. It 100% works. 100% works. So it's nice to know that my preseason line predictions are wrong. But uh, as I said during that episode, so are yours. So I don't really care. But now I want to dive into a couple things that I thought really stood out to me. One was the Stastny with Jordan and Faust thing. It, it seemed like Nito was still there. They didn't produce anything. There was no points to be had. But they were shutdown job, which is what they do, they were the shutdown line, was done effectively. And then Martin Natchez, I don't... It might have been early in the third or, or late in the second period. Uh, the Canes were on the penalty kill. And Natchez brings it into the lightning zone. And he, he's literally just trying to eat up time, of course, because penalty kill. But he, he tries to put it on net, and he can't quite shake the defender. But he sees Jordan Stahl, who is now also in the lightning zones with him, and tries to send it up to him for him to take a shot. Jordan gets a shot. Martin Natchez goes for the rebound, collects it, sends it right back up to Stahl to take another shot. And again, this is preseason. It's very early. These, these games are more about shaking off rust and Rod deciding, deciding what lines he's in favor of at this point. 
But if Martin Natchez can continue to play like that, whew, he will be what we wanted him to be. He, he would have gotten a much bigger contract if he played like that last season. And then my last like big, I noticed this and I enjoyed it type thing was Kakanyemi. Seth Jarvis was asked several days ago if he thought Kakanyemi could serve as a 2C. And Jarvis was pretty much like, yeah, hey, he gets a bunch of slander. And I don't think it's appropriate. If you give him the proper role, he will excel in it. And I personally believe with uh, belief. I personally think that's true. I 100% agree with Seth Jarvis there. And I had mentioned in a previous episode that if you actually look at Kakanyemi as a center with 14 minutes of ice time or more playing for the Hurricanes, he has a point per game average of 1.16, which is good. And the cool part about that is Kakanyemi had 17 minutes tonight. Does anyone know how many points he had? I said it earlier in this episode. Is it two points? It's most definitely two points. It was two points. So he's a two-point-per-game player. And again, preseason doesn't really matter. But I think it matters that he was productive. He was paired up with Andrei Svechnikov and Martin Natchez and got the job done. And the, the goals his line created, the first two goals, were like effort goals. Those were your line help you create that. It wasn't Sebastian Ajo being like, oh yeah, I'm an elite player in this league. Or Seth Jarvis, like, I might legitimately be the best youth player in the league right now. It was, hey, we're going to work and we're going to pass and we're going to open up space. And then once we have that shot, we're going to take it. And Kakanimi ran that. He was the quarterback for that line. So if you're going to continue to try to say that Kakanimi shouldn't be here or that he's just straight up garbage, just shut up, man. Like, just shut up. Because at this point, not only are you wrong and you're like stupid wrong, but it's just embarrassing. You know what I mean? It's like people who come out today and is like, yo, I still support Ned from the Try Guys. Like, no one, no one supports Ned from the Try Guys. To be clear, I have no idea who Ned is from the Try Guys, and I've never actually seen a Try Guys video, so hopefully that reference makes sense. And if it doesn't, well, I don't know what you want from me. It's 1am. I'm just trying to make jokes. But from here, I want to turn it into post-game coverage, and I want to hear from the man of the hour, someone who came in and showed people that Max Pacioretty was not the only person we got for future considerations. Dylan Coglin, and this is what he had to say after the game. Nice to finally get out there with, with all the guys, and um, you know I know it's just just preseason, but um, you know it's nice to get out there in front of the fans and uh, get that chemistry going with the team, and um, yeah, it was fun. And then perhaps the, well, I, I guess not perhaps the best, the best post game question so far this season. I can say that because it's game one was asked of Coglin and. I'm going to play the question here and let you hear his answer. I don't know why. I love it. I just love it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope not, but... Um. I just love the fact... I don't know. I'm here for the jokes, right? Like, I want the player to feel comfortable enough to be able to make that joke. This was his introduction to a fan base, his introduction to a market, his, you know, coming out party, per se... And I really like that he can just joke about it. Be like, yeah, listen, uh, do not expect three apples from me every game, please. Like, that's just not, you know, 
And that's not my game, but I appreciate it. And then within his, his actually it was the last question of his uh, post game. He was asked if he expected to have such a large role on special teams. And his question, his not his question, his answer surprised me. Because I thought he would get some PP time. Like, he would get a look. You know what I mean? I did not think that he was destined for the power play. Something I was apparently wrong about. Yeah, power play for sure. Um, you know, I, I knew, I always knew I was, um, you know, since I got traded that I was going to have an opportunity to play on the power play. And, um, you know, it's, it's been something I, I take pride in for quite some time. And, um, you know, penalty kill I haven't had much experience in, uh, especially in the NHL, but... Um, you know, I always played it in junior and um, in the AHL. So, uh, yeah, anytime I can get out there and uh, help help the team out in any way, it's it's great. I don't know about you, but I had just kind of always assumed that Dylan Coughlin was the extra Swedenor for the Max Pacioretty deal. So he's a he's a young defenseman with potential, but I'd always assumed that the Vegas Golden Knights were shopping around Max Pacioretty and were like, hey. We literally cannot afford to pay him. Someone, anyone, please. And obviously, not everyone was like, yeah, we'll take him, because $7 million is a lot of money, and a lot of teams do not have that cap space, including us. But I guess Jake Gardner saves us in the end on that one. So I'd always assumed that it was, hey, please, please take him. And then Don Riddell was like, no. I do not have that cap space. And they were like, well, what if we gave you this uh, young, young defenseman that you could use? And, you know, then you could take patches. And Don Riddell was like, you know what? I am a fan of my young defenseman. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll see what happens here. But now I'm realizing that they might have gone to Vegas about Coglin. And then the Max Pacioretty thing just kind of happened. You know what I mean? Like, they were like, hey, what, what's going on with this Coglin kid? What can we do to get Dylan? Dylan, Dylan's a stud. I want Dylan. What can we do to get Dylan? And Vegas was like, oh, we got you. All you have to do is take Max Pacioretty off our hands. And Don Riddell was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm not an idiot. I'll do that. I'll do that right now. Like, right now, right now? Yeah, I'll sign whatever you want. Just put it in front of me. I got this. And I, I don't know why. I didn't, I didn't expect it like that. Because the way... Coughlin is saying this is that he knew the entire time that he was going to get penalty kill time. I'm sorry, not penalty kill time, power play time. P the penalty kill is a bonus, but he he expected to be on the power play. And I did not see that coming. And this is why I'm not a National Hockey League general manager. Speaking of people who are not National Hockey League general managers, let's go into the locker room and listen to Rod Brindamore. You know, I was I don't want to say pleasantly surprised. I just I like what I saw out of the, all the, the new guys that were, you know, thrown in the lineup. I thought they all contributed, and, um, you know, it's a good first step. Rod was then asked to describe what he uses preseason games for. What is he out there doing? Is he just watching the new players and seeing how they play together, if there was any chemistry? Or they watching? is he watching the veteran players to see how that rust is starting to shake off, if there's any thing that they, you know, they're a step behind on that he needs to focus on in training and stuff like that. The players I know, I'm, not, I'm less concerned about, and then it's trying to, you know, make sure the, the new people that come in are doing it the right way. And then obviously the guys that we do know, make sure that they're not picking up bad habits or doing things differently. And we all want to, you know, at the end of this preseason, make sure we're all on the same page and 
um, you know, moving forward. So I thought, like I said, today was a good first step. He was also asked about Freddie Anderson's performance. For those of you who don't remember, uh, Freddie Anderson was injured at the end of last season. In fact, what would eventually take Auntie Ranta out was the same injury that his partner, his Jennings winning partner, Freddie Anderson, had been sidelined with for almost a month and a half by the time of the elimination in Game 7. So it's been about four and a half months since we've seen Freddie on the ice. And this is what Rod had to say. That's probably a lot of rust there. And um, it's, it's, it's a confidence builder for the players in case, you know, shake it off a little, get a little uh, game kind of speed. Um, obviously, it'll ramp up preseason as it goes along and, you know, the, they dress their, their lineups. But um, like I said, just a good first step. I don't know about you, but I'm noticing a pattern here. Like someone slipped Brindamore 20 bucks to say first step in every single answer he gave. I'm not, this isn't a criticism, it's just an observation. Rod then volunteered a piece of information that I feel like we all knew. This isn't going to be a surprise, and we all knew it, but it's nice to hear him talk about it. And it's regarding how often we commit penalties. And I'll give you that it was less than we have been. Uh, But bringing someone like Tony D'Angelo in is going to increase your penalty minutes. And Andreas Vechnikov is the king of taking a stupid penalty. He has since downgraded himself to a prince and gotten much better about it, but it's still something we have to constantly think about when it comes to Andreas' game. I mean, we're going to really preach this year and make it stay out of the box as best we can. I mean, we've done, we've tried that all year, or in the past years, but I'm not really successfully. we got to stay out of the box. He continued to talk about special teams and pretty much implied the embarrassment of riches he now has to deal with when creating his PP1 and PP2 lineup. Power play is going to be interesting because we have a lot of good players that can play it and find the right mix is going to be, um, you know, I think it'll be always evolving, but I know a lot of good options. Okay, I have joked about it this entire episode, and this is, we're getting near the end here, so let me say that this game does matter, but no, its results don't. What matters during the preseason isn't the final score, like at all. Like, we could totally have reversed the score, and we'd lose 5-1, and we still could have taken a lot out of this game. In the preseason, don't watch the puck. Watch a player. Pick a player. It doesn't matter. For me, I really wanted to see how Kakanimi was going to do with Svechnikov and Stastny. So I, I spent a large percentage of the night watching that. And then when Coglin decided to go beast mode, I spent a lot of the night just watching Coglin. I'm not watching where the puck's going. I'm watching the player react to the game. And that's how you should treat the preseason. It's, it's not about watching the puck. It's about watching the players and learning about your players. The Canes will play again on Thursday in Florida. Not against Tampa, but against, well, Florida. Uh, anyways, uh, we'll be back on Saturday with something. I'm not sure yet. It could be a history episode, or maybe I'll jump in and do another preseason recap. Uh, I very much enjoyed this episode. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I forgot something. Ah, much better. The actual send-off to the show. Yeah, so we'll be back on Saturday. You guys seem to like the extra Saturday episodes. And then when I stop it, the Wednesday episodes download ship it will skyrocket. 
and then when I start it again, they it like it 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 travels to the Saturday episode. So I don't know how to explain this, but I'm gonna keep doing Saturday episodes because they seem to be working, at least for now. I'll be back. A couple news topics I did not touch on that didn't really matter but were a thing is that Walt Ruff was not at the game. There was no intermission report from Walt Ruff, and I'm very upset. Uh, Storm Brewers are also no longer $5. They are $7.50, which is a travesty. Thank you for listening. I'll be back, as I said, on Saturday. Please follow the show on whatever social media you like. Share it with your friends. I implore you. Please, just send it to someone. I Please, I beg of you. Uh, not to sound desperate, but I'm desperate, so do it. Uh, go ahead and check the link below. We have merchandise. It also links to everything you would possibly need for the show. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a lot of fun. I'll see you guys on Saturday.